Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us for our SIP Clip of the Week. And with us, we have a very special guest. We have Catherine Copeland, who has joined our team. Hello, Catherine. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi, Catherine. We're Happy super to excited to have you with us. <laughs> super excited. Super excited that we actually you joined our, our segments. Uh, I think you're going to bring a lot of interesting insights for our guests and for the program. And uh, you're starting off with us with, a, in my opinion, a very special segment. Uh, even though it sounds very broad and generic, we're going to be actually exploring the differences between Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris. Well, let me say this. You say broad, but Foti, your information is so good. You teach so well that even a broad subject like this will go out. And now we well, have Catherine with us as well. Me, it's going to be yeah. awesome. I may not even speak at all. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. You know, Kino Grigio has been at the forefront in the U.S. market for many, 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 many years. It's been a default wine in many, many places. It's been in many refrigerators across the country as as the white wine of choice, right? But Lately, it's beginning some downplay. Some people are actually getting a little bored of it, but um, because of this, obviously, other interesting wines and, our, and a lot of our consumers and guests are starting to explore. But I still like Pinot Grigio. Well, I'm going to be wrong. Let me ask Catherine a question. So before I got into wine at all, mm -hmm. I would go to like weddings, I would go to events, whatever. And if I was with a date, if I was with a girl it was almost like 100% that she would order a Pinot Gris, Pinot Grigio. Now, in your, in your experience, is that something that like rings true or is that just something unique to my experience? I think white wine in general is always the go-to. It's pretty much a safe bet, especially, you know, it's a nice and light drink to have. Yeah, yeah. Pinot Grigio, especially. Well, you just, you just said an important key word there, Catherine, safe. Right. So a lot of our folks like that safe factor because there's this fear of what if I don't like it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yes. Taste one way or the other. It's kind of safe bet. Like yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So, so that experience so, is, is universal, I guess. To, uh, to, especially if you don't know wine, because, you know, I never really knew wine and I would always get white wine, but let me tell you this. Ever since I started hanging out with uh, this guy, my palate has gotten so much, like, like more. Like, this is this is CrossFit for your palate. <laughs> is that a good way to put it? It really is, dude. It really is. It, it's gotten <clears throat> so much more. And you know, uh, Catherine, if you spend too much time with Foti, it's gonna happen to you too. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing, man. <laughs> I I appreciate the kind words, but at the end of the day. For us, it's all about really breaking it down and showing an understanding and appreciation for everything that's out there wine-related. And we, we chose this subject because it's always overlooked. Like, no one's really talking about Pinot Grigio as much anymore. And then suddenly, not too long ago, maybe in the last handful of years, we start to see a, uh, a presence of Pinot Gris, right? Pinot Gris is another white wine that's in the market. And it's made its way through different uh, local wine shops. Some great restaurants are pouring it by the glass around the country. But there's always this curiosity factor of what is Pinot Gris? Have you ever thought about that? 
I have because I heard people talk about Pinot Gris. I heard people talk about Pinot Grigio. I'm like, I have no idea what the hell the difference is, but is there did you ever? Did you ever think for one second that there might be some connection? Pinot Grigio, Pinot Gris? Oh, yeah, I don't think that deeply. So, no, I haven't, Catherine. <laughs> How about you? Well, that's because you haven't had enough wine, my friend. Wait, Catherine, sorry, repeat that, Catherine? I always assumed that they were extremely similar. I would see the, the two different right. names on the menu. Okay. That they were definitely both white and similar, but I never how about how about if I told you that Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris are the same grape? I mean, I didn't know that. All right, I believe. So, you. <laughs> so here's the here's the here's the deal, guys. Um, so Pinot Grigio uh, comes from Italy, and Pinot Grigio translates to a grape that has gray skins. So if you ever to walk in the vineyards uh, in Italy that grows Pinot Grigio, uh, the grapes that are on the vines will have this like almost grayish, slightly pink tone to them, where other white grapes have a, a green uh, tone to that color of the grape, right? Yeah. So they got the, they, it, it, it got its name from the skin color, gray skins. Uh, oh, I didn't so, know that. I did not know that. That's interesting. So the same grape, so Pinot Grigio grows throughout most of Europe, but in France, where it also grows, it's called Pinot Gris. That's the French term for a gray-skinned grape, Pinot Gris. So Pinot Grigio in the, is Italian, Pinot Gris is French. Same grape, if that helps make it a, a little more clearer. Now, Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris have been transported all over the world and has been planted everywhere. Australia, South Africa, most of Europe, the U.S., and even in South America. But depending on where it grows, um, producers choose to use either term. It, there's no right or wrong. In California, they plant plenty of Pinot Grigio now, lately. But some producers in, in California also refer to it as Pinot Gris. If Catherine can maybe give us a little bit of an of a, uh, experience not too, long, not too long ago, you were at the wine shop not too, not, maybe about an hour ago, right? trying to right. pick up some of the wines. And I noticed you were rumbling off um, some California producers that had Pinot Gris on their label, yep. right? So the only thing that I find interesting is that when you, when you travel up north to Oregon, uh, producers there refuse to call it Pinot Grigio and they go by Pinot Gris only. Why? Well, that's a good question. So in Oregon, they, they, they are very suited and very connected to the French wine culture. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, symbiotic connections because of different reasons. A lot of French winemakers uh, in the last 25 to four, 30 years um, have come to the northwest part of the U.S. because they felt that it was a, a suitable area to plant their vines to make just as good wine as they do back in France. A uh, couple things is, if you ever noticed, or if you looked at the, at the globe or the map, uh, the northwest corner, which is Washington State and Oregon, uh, fall in the same latitude that France does. Oh, okay. they, sh they share similar climates. Uh, they share similar soil profiles, not exactly the same. But that combination uh, is really suitable for growing French varieties like Pinot Noir 
I have, agree. A I have a question. I'm sorry. Is, sure. it, is it Massachusetts or maybe New Hampshire or maybe Vermont or maybe Maine? I don't know, but somewhere in the Northeast. Isn't that on the same latitude too? Well, you might have to pull up a map so we can see that. But, uh, but we, it, we don't grow any of the sheep around. We, we do, but that's, that's a very good question because that gets asked as well when you really get deep into this. Okay. But yes, uh, that's why you start to see um, this production in the New England or the Northeast corner like Long Island, like the Finger Lakes, mm. like Cape Cod has plenty of vineyards, Rhode Island and so forth. Not so much in New Hampshire and, and above, but they are, there's definitely are, there are vineyards that grow grapes. But uh, the landscape in Washington State and Oregon, because it's very mountainous, also has a, a very um, unique, distinct microclimate that also contributes to the, the, you know, the grape growing that goes on there. So that's the difference. The, the science there is, is in, the, in nature there as well, has a lot of contributing factors that allow it to produce uh, wines of high quality. Okay. Unfortunately, here we don't have the same landscape, even though we might be on the same yeah. latitude, but what we're lacking is uh, a term called terroir, which is basically the combination of soil, climate, and, and everything else that goes along with making wine. That's a, fancy to to That's a fancy word, I like that. Terroir, T-E-R-R-O-I-R. I think I spelled that right, but anyways. He even spelled it for us, my goodness. Right? But, um, but yes, I mean, if for those of us that want a French wine experience from the U.S., the northwest corner of the country is where you go. And the wines there are nothing like California, in my opinion. Okay. Really? To clarify, it's, the grape is the same, but it's really just a difference in language, essentially, because you're saying Pinot Gris, that's the French word for grape. It's the same grape. It's really just the right. Same, right? Okay. Correct. So Pinot Gris grows in the north. Uh, east corner mainly in France in the Alsace area which borders Switzerland and so forth and there again you're talking about different you know terrain soils microclimates so you get a different wine when you get Pinot Gris from France you get a different wine when you get Pinot Gris from Oregon you get a different wine when you get Pinot Grigio from Italy but they're all from the same grape is what's fascinating so depending on where that grape grows, uh, soil, climate, and the skills of the winemaker dictate what you're going to have in the glass. Do you have a favorite, Fluffy? Do you have a favorite, Catherine? I don't know. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know enough to say that I have a favorite, but Fluffy, maybe you do. Catherine, maybe you do. Um, I, I do. I, I, not, you know, let, let, ladies first. Go ahead, Catherine. <laughs> do you just mean between Pinot Gris and Pinot Grigio, Ari? Well, I don't know, like me, again, like, I, this is a random question, so yeah. like, maybe you don't even know, like, but well, I'm saying, let like, me, is let there, me, is there let a... Let me interject. Yeah, for me, personally, I, for me, it's, it's, as time goes on, and I, and I drink a lot of wine, for me, it's less about who's making it, for me, it's more about where it's coming from. It, well, so, that's, that's my question, that's my question. Yeah, so, so, so I... The location. Yeah. For me, it's location. When I look at the label... There's, there's plenty of winemakers that I have no clue about. There's so many out there. There's thousands of winemakers in just, you know, one, you know, area or one, you know, from a country. But I dig deeper to the location. And when a wine is produced 
basically and labeled by the, the exact location that it's from, for me, that's like a defined wine. Like it's coming from a defined source. And then when I, you know, I get geeky and read about, you know, this, these areas, I, I know exactly what to expect from a style perspective. Now, I tip my hat off to any of the producers that are out there who are really all about making wine based on where they're from, not so much a product out of an idea that they want to create some kind of new concept, if that makes any sense. It does, it does. But you didn't answer the question. So my, so me personally, I'm a big fan of, of Pinot Grigio's from two areas. There's an area in Northern Italy, close to Veneto, a little north called Friuli, and an area called Alto Adige, which is right on the border in the mountains where it's cold, and for me, uh, white wines that come from a cooler climate, they are very crisp and refreshing because they don't have enough time to develop sugars in warmer areas, right? So think about more sun, grape gets more sugars. Not as much sun, the grapes are greener, makes them a little more tart and so forth. So that's my go-to when it comes to Pinot Grigio. When it comes to Pinot Gris, I, I enjoy Pinot Gris from Alsace, France. That's just, that's just my personal, doesn't mean that they're better than, than wines from other parts of the world. I mean, Pinot Grigio's and Pinot Grigio, Pinot Gris from other parts of the world. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, just going off of what you said, because I didn't know any specific names off the top of my head uh, from my favorite, but I definitely enjoy drier, crisper, cleaner tastes, like you were just describing from the colder climate. So I think I would prefer colder climate. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so, uh, that sounds about right for me as well. So I think uh, in this segment, if I'm not mistaken, Catherine, we both have, we all have mm -hmm. two selections. The Pinot Grigio that we're having is from the Veneto area, which is typically labeled um, Venezia mm -hmm. on your bottle, right? Um, actually, I think you have Venezia, I have Friuli. Yes, I both have Northern Italian, right? That's Chris is a very popular... Uh, well-known Pinot Grigio in the U.S. market. I'm having Costella Pinot Grigio from Friuli, uh, and that's also from a northern Italian uh, region. Small producer, but makes a very good Pinot Grigio. Mm -hmm. And we're also exploring Pinot Gris from, we're both having Pinot Gris from um, a Willamette Valley Oregon producer. Yeah. You have A to Z, mm -hmm. which is a pretty familiar, popular winery. And I have a smaller producer from Elk Cove Vineyards in Willamette Valley. Oh. Small producer makes really good wine. They make exceptional Pinot Noirs, but this is their Pinot Gris. So the goal here is for us to taste together collectively. Ari has the same wines as I have. I'm, I'm sorry, Catherine, that he has the same wines as me. It's but variety. <laughs> uh, variety is great. But the goal here is to kind of understand and see the differences of how Pinot this, this variety is in Italy versus Oregon, US, or Willamette Valley. All right, so let's start pouring some of this wine out so we can really see what these wines are like. And we're gonna start with the Pinot Grigio first. Okay. And you asked why, didn't oh, you, Ari? Why we wanna start with I, Pinot Grigio? I did ask why, <laughs> and I don't so, answer. So let's start, so Pinot Grigio will be, in my opinion, the lighter of the two that we're going to try. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Well, you said the lighter of the two, and that's because of the where it was made or because of what style it is? 
Uh, it's because where it's made and because it's stylistically made in this fashion. Okay. Okay. So, cheers. Cheers, cheers everyone. Cheers. So, right off the bat, aromas here are very, like, vibrant. I can smell a little bit of fruit. Mm. I can smell, I can feel the coldness, too, from the, from the uh, glass. And then... Mouth-watering textures, crisp, mm. subtle fruit, clean finish, light enough to feel refreshing, but enough flavor to make it tasty. So yeah, I was gonna say there's some more flavor in this Pinot Grigio than what I've had in the past. Just your standard, you know, are you saying at an event or something you order a Pinot Grigio? With this one, as I'm tasting it slowly, I actually do get a bit more flavor. It is still light enough and refreshing, but I do notice a bit more of like the fruit and the layers to it. Okay, so and that's because it's we chose. Where you guys are right? Is it hot today? Super hot. Is it? Is oh it, yeah. Is this a refreshing, like, nice wine oh. to have on a date like today? This yes. is this is exactly what you need on a day like this awesome. uh, yeah, to start to, to, to start any experience. So yeah, this would go down pretty pretty nice on a day like this. Um, but in general, so it has its place. It has its place when it's warm out. It's refreshing. But for me, it has great textures for a light white wine that this would be great at the dinner table too, with food. It's not just a sipping wine where some Pinot Grigios are made in a fashion that's just so stylistically lighter and a little blander. Um, where here, I mean, this would definitely be a great compliment to food too. Mm, it wouldn't right? overwhelm so, it in any way. Yeah, what would you eat with this? What, what, what would be a good pairing? For me, this is great with, um, Grilled seafood, um, definitely, you know, we're big fans of seafood, being that we're Mediterranean, hmm. uh, light, sharp cheeses, seasonal salads. Um, you know, you can run the, you know, there's so many great creative dishes that are out there. I mean, different spreads that we, that in dips that have a presence of lemon and olive oil and a little bit of garlic uh, definitely would be suitable for a wine of this nature. All right, Catherine, mm. if you haven't experienced some of this food that he mentioned, then <laughs> you have to make this food so you can experience it the way you've described. Well, you just challenged us. So we're going to do, do a segment with food on it. We're going to have wine and food together. That's yes. way. Wait, let's do that when I'm in Boston, please. Yes, you got it. Um, so, <laughs> so that's basically the the four four one one on Pinot Grigio as we're tasting together, right? Are you trying to use like hip slang right now or something? <laughs> yeah, is it working? People don't really say four one one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna call a nine one one on four. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we don't well, need it, to say 4 one It wouldn't sound as good if I said that we, we just got the Google on this Pinot Grigio. I think the 4 one flows better. This is fresh and death. <laughs> so <laughs> now we're going mo to move on to Pinot Gris, right? All right. So we had, you guys so see we, me? We, yeah. <laughs> she froze a bit. She's back, though. Are you back? There you are. Are you back? I'm back. Okay. <laughs> you froze for a second and we didn't know what happened. 
Sorry, uh, guys. I was I was in the middle of making fun of him, so it's okay. So See? all is well. All is well. <laughs> all is well. So what I was just oh, mentioning. I thought you would say it's all good. Is now we're going to move into our Pinot Gris uh, selection. Okay. And we'll okay. see the differences between Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris. So let me ask, Catherine, did Fati made you open two bottles today? Correct. I did. So you're going to have to finish these two bottles because they're going to go, you know, they're going to go bad within a day. So. I mean, I don't want to waste wine. Right? That's a myth. That's a myth. You're just trying to get her to drink with two bottles. <laughs> You're, you're at a friend's house, right? Just fin it's a Saturday, a beautiful Saturday. Just finish them off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll have someone help me drink them. It's fine. No judgment mm -hmm. here because I'm going to finish probably maybe three bottles. I've always wondered oh. though, you said it, that's a myth, Fothi. Is that, uh, so with the cap on this afterwards, if it's in the so fridge, it should stay the same, I'm, right? I'm so, I'm so glad you answered that, that you asked that question. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, I get the question all the time, like, how long does my wine last after I open it? So white wine, after it's been opened, and especially with a screw cap, you can get about anywhere to four to five days in your refrigerator uh, okay. before, it starts to, before it starts to lose flavor. I, I mean, is I, it the oxidation? I, so what happens is, what's cool about white wine and why it lasts longer than red wine is that, be, so, so temperature is a big deal. So when it's cold, it, it just basically stops the wine from turning versus red wine, which if red wine sits on your counter after you open it, during room temperature conditions, if it's warm enough, the wine will start to turn quickly. So your red wine has about a day or maybe, maybe two days at most. Okay. If you, if you, if you just, if you would, put it on the counter and just yeah. like have it at the daily. I, I was going to say, <clears throat> in my mind, I'm thinking red wine because that's what well, mostly, most, yeah. mostly four to five days. I was like, I believe you, but I don't think I've experienced that myself. But you, you can definitely get a, a lot more out of your white wine in the refrigerator as far as, far as keeping the flavor and the freshness from it. Well, that's, that's an actually interesting point. I didn't I'll give you, I'll give you one. I'll give you one, one more tip. Red wine. Uh, most people don't do this. They find that it's like unorthodox to do this. But open, after you've opened your red bottle and you can't finish the rest, but you don't want to like have it the next day or throw it away, put your red bottle in the refrigerator with, with your cork in it. And that I will buy you. you. Oh, yeah. oh my so gosh. Because you said the so temperature can make it turn. So basically keeping your red wine in a cold environment after it's been opened will keep the wine from turning any further because it's cold now so it can't really progress into the next stage of being oxidized or turning okay well even right? if it's unorthodox if it works if it makes it last longer yes these are just things that you know i recommend over and over and some folks still have a hard time kind of like getting over that that hump of you know this isn't is this right I'm telling you right now, I can't do it. I can't do it. Red wine, dude, if I don't drink it within the first day or two, I'll drink it the next day. But after that, I don't care if I put it in the fridge or whatever. Well, I can't drink can it. I tell you, can I tell you, most of us psychologically already think that it's not going to taste good, so it's not going to taste That's good. That's my problem. Like, ah. <laughs> I have a lot so of mental. I have a lot, yeah, of, a, lot, I have a lot of psychological problems, and that's one of them. Well, we're gonna we're gonna give you some we're gonna give you some therapy to get past that, okay? I need I need some liquid therapy. therapy. Yes, yeah. liquid therapy. 
But um, that's why I'm here talking to you guys. You guys are helping me. Anything we can do. <laughs> you got it, bro. So let's 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 give this Pinot Gris a sip. Sure. So right away for me, uh, this Pinot Gris because it's kind of warmed up a little is releasing mm. some really intense aromas. For me, this is very tropical uh, as far as aromas go. So the the aromas here are more pronounced, where in the Pinot Grigio the aromas were um, subtle, but they were a little more like vibrant. Here, they're just like um, flowing with a lot of it. You know, I, I can, for me, it's like, you ever, uh, what's that in the, that character that has all the fruit on the top of her head? Oh, uh, <laughs> the Disney character. Uh, uh, so I'm, I got pineapples, bananas, uh, peaches, <laughs> right? So for me, like, yeah. this is what's being released as this is warming up. And I can already tell, like, this is going to be a, a fuller, riper white wine, just from the aroma. Mm. Mm. So, oh yeah, you know, textures are rounder here, fuller. The wine just rolls off your palate. It still has a lingering finish. Um, for one instance, this is weird. I don't know if this, I, I was like, when I was sipping this, I was, we were talking about bananas. And for some, for some reason, I, I got like this, this like flash of Gerber baby banana food. Well, we did just say it's all mental, Loki. <laughs> you, you could tell how immature I am because <laughs> just the mention makes me laugh. But the, I'm just trying to, <clears throat> through this virtual um, presence is kind of give the distinct differences of what's happening. So, you know, these are two wines made from the same grape. They're coming from two different parts of the world and yet they're really so different than each other. Like blindly, you'll never, in my opinion, blindfolded taste these two wines and determine that they come from the same grape. Mm. Right? The Pinot so, Grigio is more bright. Bright, yes. Very bright, very fresh, yeah. clean. The Pinot Gris is a little more serious, mm. um, has, more, has more depth, more textures, more flavor, more layers. Yeah, so let, me ask, let me ask each of you, uh, Catherine, which of the two do you prefer? I think I prefer the Pinot Grigio um, because I said I do like my wines a bit more on the drier side and not oh. to say that this is sweet but you actually you do get much more flavor and if I'm drinking white wine I like it to be very refreshing and bright as I just mentioned. I'm going to challenge both of you is that we're going to we're going to and that's and that's basically what we're going to get as a response from um, the majority of folks that try these side by side because right. now we're in the middle of summer and Pinot Grigio just fits better. But fast forward, let's go into the fall and winter and let's have Pinot Gris. And mm. I think that the Pinot Gris will feel a little more suitable than the Pinot Grigio because of the environment that we're gonna be in come November, December for a white I can wine. see this working well in fall as well, like a nice transition it's a, type of wine. Definitely, it's, a, you know, um, it's definitely a fall favorite uh, mm. when it comes to white wines, because obviously, uh, 
we like to drink according to the seasons that we're in. And, and, and we, we can revisit this on another segment when we do whites for the, for the colder weather. But yes, I mean, this would be definitely Pinot Grigio would be the, the chosen, the chosen so, one. So Catherine, <laughs> so Catherine understands um, we've had many conversations about where you are, what you're doing, what time of year it is, and mm -hmm. what that effect has on your consumption and your enjoyment of wine. We, 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 it's a true and real life thing that like where you are, what you're doing, like are you having a great time? Are you partying? Are you have any friends around you? Uh, this really affects like your enjoyment. And you know, it's a psychological thing that I think affects a lot of things. Wine is definitely one of them. Wine is a very social thing most of the mm -hmm. time. So, you know. No, I completely well, agree. Well, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to add a, a, add something to what Ari's saying right now. Ari's mm -hmm. mentioning a couple of very key factors, but I think uh, we are slowly, be, we in the U.S., I should say, are slowly becoming a society or a consumer base where wine is becoming part of our culture slowly. You know, it's part of our dining experience. It's part of our social experience. It's part of our learning experience when it comes to the gastronomy of the U.S., where in the beginning, wine wasn't always the chosen beverage, but now it's become, or it's becoming slowly embedded into our food and, uh, food and wine culture, but in our food culture as well. Yeah, absolutely. But I remember distinctly when I went to, um, you know, a wine experience with both of you and just going through the dinner, but being very mindful about it, making note of every single sip with every single bite and how they paired it was a completely different experience for me and now when i drink wine you know if, I, if you think about it more it actually does have an effect on how you enjoy it and how it tastes so yeah you're absolutely you're, right with you're, that. you're you're 100 right on that and that note that the fact that we're not so this what we're doing now and you know we're discussing this it's happening anyways uh in your personal experience when you're having dinner it's just that you're not focused on you're focused more on conversation. You're focused more on your on your your guests and your friends and family, what have you. But then when you actually stop and kind of highlight what you're doing, you really start to see a different appreciation for what's happening between the combination of the food and the wine together. Right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's, it's 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 it's. I mean, it's a great thing to to understand these dynamics. Um, I'm sure a lot of people well, experience it, but like they don't really like sit down and think about like the actual well, dynamics of what's happening. And because we hear this often enough is why we put these segments together because um, it's so overwhelming uh, for, for many of us uh, to kind of understand and distinguish like what's what, what should I do? What should I get? What should I drink? Well, mm -hmm. I like this, but I don't want to really try something. What if I don't like it? Yeah. So these, these segments are specifically put together for our audience and our guests to help you get past that unknown. So it puts things into perspective, but also kind of inspires you to kind of explore outside of that comfort zone. Yeah, right. Exactly. And to have the confidence of knowing that you can try something different like this and it can, you know, maybe just a subtle difference. But the more that you explore, I mean, if you're mindful about it, then absolutely. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great experience. Yeah, and if you're like, if you're like on like some like, you know, Greek island in the future post COVID, and you're having a great time, like just order any wine on the menu as possible. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it does. It does. Wow, Fati. Oh, Again? this this kind of this kind of puts things into perspective for our audience. Pinot Grigio. Please don't leave it, you know, don't forget about it. Uh, a lot of folks are still, you know, exploring other varieties, but every so often, you know, we'll still come back to Pinot Grigio um, and Pinot Gris for that matter. So for those of us that haven't had Pinot Gris, hopefully this segment inspires you to actually get a bottle and try it. And it doesn't matter where it comes from. It can be French. It can be from Oregon. It can be from South Africa, California. We highly, highly encourage you to try Pinot Gris. And... For that matter, uh, we thank you for joining us. Uh, continue to uh, join us on our future segments of interesting and fun segments just like this to help you And on that, note, on that note, we want to welcome Catherine. Uh, <laughs> she will be co-hosting future episodes with us. Um, you guys literally don't have to stare at the, the haggard faces of me and Fati alone anymore. We have, we have a new perspective. We have a youthful perspective. And uh, we want to thank Catherine for joining us. And you guys will be seeing her uh, on our future episodes as well. And awesome, awesome information. Both of you guys, thank you so much. Fati, you look like My you want pleasure. to And then before we, before, before we sign off, for those of us that are viewing this segment, uh, right now or very in a very short time is uh we've got a really fun interesting and special we always use the word special everything is special everything's but, uh, special everything's fun everything's interesting this this thursday july 23rd we're hosting a webinar from our vines unknown series uh we're exploring the island of crete in awesome. greece and we have two very special guests that are joining us for that segment we've got our good friend johnny Levanos who is uh, you know, the part of the importing company called Diamond Importers that are bringing some fantastic Cretan wines to the U.S. market. Yes, but and Johnny then, Livanos, his family also owns like some of the hottest restaurants in Manhattan. Manhattan. Oh. Right? Like, Catherine, we got to like introduce you to this dude. Like when COVID is over, please, God, soon, like <laughs> we're going to go to Manhattan and we're going to – party because this Field trip this dude has like the, the the best restaurants in new york make sure you get oh your permission gosh. slip signed but, uh, <laughs> but i'm not that young <laughs> no, i'm talking i'm talking to ari oh, oh yeah of I, course I, <laughs> so but yes we definitely we definitely want you to join us is you know this is you know for us behind the scenes it's you know it's a process and it's you know we're very blessed that we have the abilities to connect with folks that are in this world of, you know, some of the best restaurants in the world, some of the best wines that are being produced that are out globally. And we're able to bring them together in one setting in our podcast uh, or our webinars where it's a special treat for us. And we want it to be a special treat for you as well. So we want you to join us. Um, it's, it's free to sign up. It's already uh, listed on our app at urbanwineclub.co. Um, we'll definitely be sending out invites um you know the more the merrier Catherine, uh, you get hopefully the... you could join us as well we would love to have you i will be there absolutely me, it, it's very special to me because i am half cretan 
Okay. I don't know if you guys know this. Good to know. I, I, can, okay. I can tell from you, the volume of your me, voice. If you look at me wrong, I will stab you as a true Cretan would. Because that's where no, the that's, term, no, that's that's where the term Cretan no. comes from. Have you, ever heard, have you ever heard the term Cretan? You're like yes, a Cretan. But that evolved because in Crete now everybody has like a rifle so you're not gonna get stabbed you're gonna get shot from what so so there, there's this whole like there's this whole thing that's known about sicily where there's vendettas <laughs> and like if you if you cross somebody the wrong way they're gonna set a vendetta against you crete <laughs> is like the original the original place where this is happening like there was there's villages in greece but, but, there's like no women I mean, uh, no men because they're all killed from vendettas. <laughs> I'm gonna this, go there. But this, this, <laughs> but this will not be part of our segment on on Thursday, July 23rd. We're just gonna sip one. But uh, but we de we definitely want you to join us uh, this coming Thursday. Um, and if you can't make that one, we got plenty of of of, of segments lined up. If you follow us through all of our social media. Instagram, Facebook, um, our app, and so forth. We've got a lot lined up. We've got a lot of interesting guests that are signing on with us. So we're very and super excited. That super we're, excited. That we've got a ton of great stuff that's coming up. So we definitely want you to uh, join us, and we appreciate you uh, uh, spending the time with us. All right. Thank you, Thanks guys. Thanks for having me, guys. Catherine, thank you, thank you, thank you for spending an hour of your day with these two haggard dudes that are like just <laughs> rambling on all the time but thanks everybody for listening thanks everybody for watching stay tuned for the uh webinars log into the website get on our social media and we will see everybody next time thank you and if i and if i can sign off drink better wine drink better <laughs> wine. cheers to that cheers, cheers.